Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show Just want to let you know that's Point of Grace I don't know if you can hear me okay But that is Point of Grace If I look like I'm in the dark, it's because our light isn't on me Because Randall has been running around with his head cut off today And that's why we're partially late today Because we have air conditioning issues And we had to wait for the repairman And so we pushed the show back an hour And blah, 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 blah and he's still here, so Randall's going to have to get up in a few minutes anyway, but we're going to try to do this show <clears throat> and inform you, actually, um, about the topic at hand. And this is actually going to be um, a very educational and an informative show because um, what, what I'm, gonna, I'm sharing, <clears throat> what I'm going to share with you today is two presentations. Uh, they were recently given what? Uh, should I go now or? Yeah, if you, I don't, you know, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm going to need you to do the ads and stuff. Yeah, I know. I just didn't know how long you were going to be before that happened. So yeah. I guess I could put myself on screen while I'm talking to you. So I'm not this disembodied voice. Here am I. Stacey, all right. So <clears throat> before I was interrupted. So rudely. You were rude actually um but anyway before randall interrupted me rudely uh and didn't let me finish see i could have already had my announcement out but anyway instead of that um so what i was going to say is that um the presentations you're going to see today are actually um stuff you're not going to see in the mainstream media okay and um, and I'm sharing them with you because you guys need to know the truth. Yeah, you really do. You need to know the truth about what's going on. Um, you need to understand the extent of the funding of the LGBT lobby. That That's ultimate goal is to undermine Christianity, okay? And don't, you know, I'm not trying to be inflammatory. It's the truth, which you'll actually see. In fact, um, I have one article I want to read you. Um, before we do that, and then, of course, um, we'll go ahead and play these two presentations. But um, let's thank Ariel Ministries first, our sponsor, Ariel.org. You guys can go to Ariel.org and save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. 
Um, and also there's a special there for the um, the Messianic book series. It's the B.L. Cooper's Messianic series. Um, and you can go to ariel.org and you can look that up. And uh, there's seven books in this. It's $32, but you can save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. All the info is there at ariel.org. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know yet if it's on the front page, but if it's not, you'll you, you can go to the bookstore and it will be in there somewhere. All right, so all right, so let me uh, read you from Romans chapter one. A lot of people, you know, in fact, a lot of people in the church actually have stopped reading Romans chapter one in regards to the gay the gay issue because. Uh, because they consider it, uh, the, the, the world considers this inflammatory, right? But let's, let's read what it says here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and, or 18 and following. Uh, it says here, For the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And you're going to see a lot of this underpinning lie in this presentation today. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So that's the Bible, right? And if you just read the Bible and you read that little portion, I can see how an unsaved, darkened mind could go, oh my gosh, the Bible is such a book of hate. But it's really not. This is the consequence, ultimately, of sin, which Christ paid for on the cross. And, um, and so, um, you know, as somebody used to say, facts are stubborn things, right? You know, so let me, let me share with you this article. Um, it's titled, this is over on dailycaller.com. 
Randall had to step away. Otherwise, it would be on the screen. But this is actually uh, titled Christian School Told They Can't Teach, quote, offensive, unquote, scripture. Now, before I even read the article, I have to ask you, you have to ask this question. Who is the one who is defining what is offensive and what is not offensive? True. This is a serious question, right? You know, I mean, this purple bottle, is this offensive? I mean, really, is this, is this offensive? Is this pink ba- bags, is this offensive to you in some way? I mean, who, who defines what offensive is? You have to ask yourself that question. Because the people who actually are the ones that define the terms, they're the ones that label it whether or not it's offensive or not. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah uh, 5, I think 520, that, uh, that they will call good evil and evil good, and they'll call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. And, you know, and it's true. We're, we're definitely in that day and age. We're in the day and age where good is called evil and evil is called good. Those who say marriage between one man and one woman is offensive are the ones who are defining the terms in the media today. God doesn't define it that way, though. So if you look at, if you look at um, the Bible from the perspective in which it was written, that God wrote it, like, you know, God wrote it, you know, God, God, not the big guy upstairs, but God, you know, the Holy One, the, the one who we need to be falling on our faces before out of fear and reverence. God wrote scripture and it was inspired by him. He's the one that gives us the definitions that we are to live by, uh, not, um, not, the, uh, not the other people. And you can shake your head all you want. I don't really care. Um, so let me read you this article, though. It's titled, Christian School Told They Can't Teach, Quote, Offensive Scripture. Evangelical Christians are under fire as an Alberta school board is demanding a Christian, stop, a Christian school stop teaching offensive scripture that indicts homosexuality as a sin, the National Post reports. The offending passage is from 1 Corinthians 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, verses 9, 10, uh, verses 9 and 10, which states, Neither the sexually immoral, no, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The Battle River School Division first asked Cornerstone Christian Academy, not far from the Alberta capital of Edmonton, to remove the scripture from the school's statement of faith. They also asked that the word quality be redacted from the mission statement that the school offers quality educational programming. Okay, this is a true story, people. CCA, CCA agreed to the demand. Board Chairwoman Lori Scorey uh, then said that wouldn't be enough. The school would have to cease from even teaching the scripture, saying that any scripture that could be considered offensive to particular individuals should not be read or studied in school. She said exactly what she meant in a subsequent piece of correspondence that read, for example, any teachings that denigrate or vilify someone's sexual orientation. That was too much for the school. CCA chairwoman uh, Deanna Margle said the school had a right to teach what it wants. That's completely, that's a completely different directive, and it was shocking, absolutely shocking, said Margel. You can't just pick and choose those scriptures, she told the National Post. We need every single word there to challenge us, to call us to greater understanding. 
we're talking about the freedom of religion, but we're also talking about the freedom of expression, she said. The school, which, which teaches students from kindergarten to grade 12, has asked the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom for legal assistance. The conservative activist group that defends the constitutional freedoms of Canadians through litigation and education has come to the school's defense. Trustees enjoy the legal right to send their own kids to various schools that align with the parents' beliefs and convictions, but these trustees have no right to impose their own ideology on schools that they disagree with, said the group's president, John Carpe, in a statement. Spokeswoman for the school board, Diane Hutchinson, said they are making the demands because gender and sexual minorities were added uh, taught the province's human rights code in 2015. I don't think that's supposed to be two not taught. In our province, there is a heightened awareness and a heightened sensitivity around LGBTQ issues, she said, downplaying the concerns of censorship, of course. But Carpe says this is about the freedom of religion and expression and that Alberta has one of the most diverse education systems in Canada. Carpe told the Post, it's really contrary to government policy for any school board to try to squelch that diversity. The irony, though, is that they are, they're not making it diverse for Christians that actually believe the Bible. That's the ironic part. If the conflict between the school and the board is not resolved, CCA will have three choices. Find a new board, become a private school, or shut down. So you can read that over at dailycaller.com. You know, and, you know, here's the thing. In America, our... Um, we're we're like this far behind Canada. Canada has more restrictions on religious speech and freedom than than we do here in America. Um, are you going? Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Randall has to go. See, if I had my way, honestly, you guys, I wouldn't have done a show today. Just so you know. So I'm doing this because, frankly, I'm a good faithful person to do my job, even when I don't feel like it, honestly, because today's been a hell of a day. Um, so let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, because here's the other thing. My, my my original guest canceled pretty much at the last minute. So then I had to figure out what to do today. And then Randall tells me, oh, can we change the time of our show? And I'm like, okay. And then the guy shows up late, which then pushes our our, our show back to make it super tight. So, yeah. I'm a little bit irritable, just so you know. Um, but here's the other thing. The other thing is that um, that you have to you have to be you know um, really careful about uh, about this issue because it's tied to anti-discrimination laws, right? <clears throat> yeah, Angie, you say it's silly that only Christians are being attacked. It's actually true. You know, I was I was uh, talking to somebody this morning who was sharing with me. Um, about how their kids are being bullied in the schools and it's primarily because they're conservative and they're Christian kids. Of course, it's a public school. So I kind of, you know, what do you expect? You know, that's why Dr. Dobson like 30 years ago told people, told parents to start taking their kids out of schools because this agenda has completely um, indoctrinated. It's, it's been infiltrated and indoctrinated in the schools. I mean, it's a, it's a, Unless you're under a rock, you you don't know that. I mean, it's how can you not know it unless you're under a rock, right? I mean, seriously. So I actually have two videos I want to play for you, but of course I can't do that until Randall gets back. So in the meantime, <laughs> I should say 
Thank you guys for coming in to see me in an irritable mood. But this is important because um, uh, because what we're going to share today, uh, one presentation, uh, both of both the presentations I'm going to share uh, in their video presentations, so you'll see them. Uh, one is my friend Peter LaBarbera, who is the founder of Americans for, uh, for Truth About Homosexuality. And he's actually giving... Um, He's actually giving a, 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 a presentation on how big corporations like Walmart, for example, um, are supporting the radical agenda. One of the things that he does in the beginning of this presentation is he actually talks about Alfred Kinsey and, and how Alfred Kinsey, he actually did research on infants. Okay. Now, this is sick. This is absolutely sick. And I actually have some books right over here. This book right here, actually, it's called The Glory and the Dream, A Narrative History of America, that actually talks about um, what he did. Um, and Peter actually has a different book that actually shows the charting and stuff. So Kinsey actually did sex research on infants. And um, it, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And it is historical. And anybody who says it's not doesn't know what you're talking about, just so you know. So he talks about that. And then the other presentation, which is the one I actually want to talk about first, is how the church um, has been infiltrated, how the LGBT movement is infiltrating Bible-believing churches. It's already infiltrated the liberal churches that don't give a, give a rip about God's word being what it is, but it doesn't really give a rip about, um, I mean, it, you know, anyway, the conservative Bible-believing churches, the LGBT movement is now infiltrating those churches. So, uh, that's what I want you to to uh, to see first. So, um, Reverend Tim Littleton, uh, in this 20-minute talk, is going to talk about how the well-funded LGBT movement um, has infiltrated conservative churches in Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas. And um, so, if you can play that bareface. Yeah, we'll do that now. All right. Yes. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's actually tied to Planned Parenthood, which is interesting. So, okay. Now share this out, you guys. Don't let this stack of stuff scare you. I'm not going to go through all of it. Uh, I, I just use it as uh, uh, really as visual aids. Uh, how many of you uh, have looked around and you've said, how do we get here so fast? You know, what, what's really going on here? What else is in the room with this thing? And uh, well, let me just give you a little hint. This is just stuff, just this is extra. Uh, Gay and Lesbian Victory Institute, if you go on their website, you can find uh, during the Obama administration, these were the LGBT activists who were appointed to every federal agency. And so they've engaged every federal agency and uh, embedded it with activism and engaged it. Of course, on the education topic here, uh, over two dozen of those activists appointed were in, uh, in uh, the Department of Education alone. So that's why you're seeing a lot of what we're looking at. I, the last eight years have been supercharged with activism. And you do have to realize if you take the LGBT movement at face value, you have made a mistake. If you think it's about civil rights, you've made a mistake. If you think it's uh, about uh, gay love, you've made a mistake because there is so much more in the room on this. I mean, this past administration has not empowered this agenda 
uh, for the sake uh, any more than the uh, the pro-abortion um, groups uh, care about women's reproductive rights. Right? So you understand that there's more in the room. What I want to uh, give you is a couple of little pictures of what's going on. Uh, where did LGBT come from? Originally it was GLBT, and uh, you'll see those uh, changes in it, LGBTQ, QQI, A, and so on. Uh, we're going to run out of letters in the alphabet, but uh, there was actually a meeting in 2006, and from that came uh, a set of principles out of Indonesia, uh, Jogjakarta principles. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, this was developed as a, sort of the new language for human rights, and this was set out of Indonesia. And I want to read this to you <clears throat> because it has a lot to do with, uh, with how uh, civil rights are interpreted, human rights are interpreted. Uh, the principles were developed to enhance the individual sovereignty, listen to me closely, individual sovereignty of subjective identity, a principle uh, articulated in a host of international human rights laws that protect the authentic reality of individual identity and sovereignty from the legal fictions and social constructs of national or state collectivist ideologies. Did you get that or you want me to read to you again? But what we're facing is an effort to redefine human rights uh, and using the LGBT to do it. And when you start seeing the word dignity begin to surface, dignity is actually more core to your rights of, of freedom of speech or your uh, rights of freedom of religion. Dignity becomes the core issue. And of course, it is essentially and uh, first and foremost assigned to the LGBT community. So their rights actually supersede, just like with this whole bathroom stuff, uh, the one in perhaps 30,000 uh, um, trans, genuinely transgendered person or a person who's gender confused, uh, it, their rights to be celebrated, recognized, protected, their feelings protected, accommodated, are, uh, are, are to be uh, empowered to subject everyone else, their right of privacy and so forth. But make no mistake in, on the education front, I'll just show this stuff really quick. What you're up against is comprehensive sexuality education. How many of you know what this is? Do you know where it came from? It came from Planned Parenthood. So the biggest uh, promoter of uh, homosexuality in today's world is indeed Planned Parenthood. This is a global effort. This is UNESCO 2014 talking about it, the challenges and opportunities of scaling up. Now, specifically, this will teach your child a range of LGBT ideology uh, and normalization, even against the parents and against the faith community. So those are really the two targets that have to be overcome. So you'll see why my point being how this is affecting uh, the, the church is going to affect you as a Christian parent or the parent, the faith values from your family tradition that you try to pass on to your kids. It will be in direct conflict to it. They know it. They don't care. And so uh, what you're looking at, this is K through five. So give you a really quick history on this. It's been around since 1964. That's when SICUS uh, was funded, spun off of, uh, of Planned Parenthood by Mary Calderon, the former medical director, and her husband was head of the World Health Organization. And so they began to develop this, uh, really it's sexual liberation ideology. If you want to read it, this is available on SICUS uh, website. But um, 
this is also being implemented in, in uh, some test run some schools, and that's probably what our friend Carol encountered uh, a willingness to try to run it here with um, four-year-olds in pre-K-3 and pre-K-4. This stuff is realized uh, from their perspective as a human right at any age. It is uh, sexual liberation. It's, uh, the, the, you have to understand the ideology of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. You need to read a good biography or even go Google some quotes on there. Uh, okay, I want to give you guys the in case you don't know what CKIDS is, this is very important. You don't have to put it back on me. You can just pause it there. So CKIDS, you guys, is it stands for Sexuality, Information, and Education Council of the United States. Okay? So this is your government organization, and basically it's, it, they supposedly promote comprehensive sex education, but they really don't. They, they promote immoral sex education. That's actually what they do. So keep in mind, okay, so what he's saying here is that, is that, and, and I can also tell you this, because when Randall and I went to this Glisten Conference, Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, when we went to this conference, Secus was at this thing. Right, Randall? You remember that? And um, do you want to comment on that? Do you remember? Because you were the one in the same meeting with them. Sure. Um, this is this is a true story, and this is why this stuff is so important for you guys to get, because you're not going to hear it. You're not going to hear it in regular media. Yeah, at the time uh, when we went to the uh, Glisten Conference, it was during the Bush administration, uh, which was, you know, through the uh, National Institutes of Health and other organizations, was scrutinizing sex, sex education. Uh, so Secus was there uh, and representatives talking to these kids, uh, junior high kids and senior high kids that, and some adults, teachers, educators there, how important it was to get out sort of a guerrilla, guerrilla sex education. And, and they weren't talking about just the birds and the bees. Okay. They were talking about some practices I would rather not mention here. Right. Uh, and how important it was to tell these to your friends. And if you know about this, write it on the bathroom walls, you know, make your own flyers, whatever. Forget, you know, uh, if the school won't do it, you know, then do it. And we'll, if you, if you don't know, we'll have after school classes. You can come to Planned Parenthood and let us know, and we can set up things to educate your friends on, again, not just the birds and the bees, but, trying to think of um don't even go yeah but the point is that in this presentation that you're watching that we're going to go back to that's what he's talking about he's actually talking already to an informed audience who knows every who knows what the topic is most people um have no clue i had no clue until we were kind of brought into this as uh as as spies to help bring out the info so okay go back to the to the presentation we'll try not to interrupt it again uh, on uh, you know on the internet and you find out what she's really like but she said the church was an outdated institution that needed to be done away with that's us that's why I, as a minister trying to preach god's word and be faithful to it am a target of this and that's why you as a believer or uh, in, in in your house of worship are being targeted for this uh, another way that this in, invades your lives your family 
uh, your fate is the uh, uh, Adel this is uh, Adelman and Taylor's uh, guide from UCLA for mental health. So you have to watch your public schools uh, health um, uh, mental health model, their counseling model. I can make all these things available for you. But this is their sexual minority student focus, so uh, the counseling is specifically. Now, what can come home to you and even to your church through one of the other kids in the youth group or perhaps even from your child is some of the um, product of the, all these training manuals that are out there. Here's one. Uh, so Change It, a guide for high school youth activists. This is by Advocates for Youth. If you get on Advocates for Youth, you'll find out that they're um, uh, they're a spinoff of Planned Parenthood as well. Uh, by the way, you know, under Obama, what the uh, public funding went to for Planned Parenthood, over half a billion dollars, and then another half a billion uh, uh, plus from private sources. So you're talking about a billion dollars with a B a year to push this agenda forward. Uh, this is the, the United Nations, same uh, youth training activist guide for comprehensive sexuality. They're demanding their sexual rights now. This is another uh, more developed youth tool activist kit. This is rights, respect, and responsibility, also advocates for youth. So little Johnny at school can come home to your house if he lives there or to your, your kid's uh, classroom and be pushing back on all of the, the sexual norms and uh, pushing back on your faith beliefs. And you can be uh, put in the places we know already that it, you're a hater if you're withstanding that, if you don't submit to it. Now, Human Rights Campaign, the reason you are where you are in Texas right now, we experienced in uh, 2014 when they came to Birmingham. I was asked by a Southern Baptist friend because I'm, I, I'm not in any of the official uh, lobby or activist organizations within the SBC, so I was asked unofficially to meet with uh, the Human Rights Campaign who had asked for a meeting with him. He felt like him meeting them would legitimize them. So uh, a friend and I that do apologetics, uh, we, we met with him and we sat for four and a half hours and we asked, what's your goal? You have eight and a half million dollars. I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, so you're here to, uh, to push an agenda. What they didn't know that I already knew about was what they were doing in education because um, February 14th, the day of love, Valentine's Day, they had already had their first Time to Thrive conference. And uh, isn't uh, Las Vegas a great place to have a youth conference? But it says something about the culture, though, doesn't it? But anyway, then they had the next one uh, in uh, Portland, 2015. By this time, not only is the National Education Association um, uh, sponsoring at AT&T, uh, Health and Human Services, DOJ, and Department of Education are actually presenting. They are sponsors uh, or pre presenters in uh, participating in this. And then, of course, the reason why Dallas is getting all this uh, or Texas is getting all this, their uh, 2016 meeting was here near Dallas. So they've really brought a lot of, uh, they're opening field offices here, so HRC has a vast amount of resources that they brought to bear on your state. So the reason I'm getting to that is they're not only coming at your children, they don't want to leave any quarter, uh, not only in the public schools, even in the houses of worship. They want to bring this agenda in where they can saturate the landscape and begin to win over hearts and minds. And um, years ago, they had a more radical approach, not that many years ago. Uh, how many of you read the Huffington News? How many think that's a good... Uh, 
source in the okay, good. Uh, but uh, the Huffington Post, um, uh, Michael Huffington actually funded this thing, and this is human rights campaign uh, for the Bible tells me so. What this was was a mockumentary CD and accompanying uh, a training manual to take Christians head on for the LGBT to do a full frontal assault. This was 2007. And so what they did is they, they made all the case for the bullying and the, uh, the health problems, the drug use, the depression, the suicide, even had a postmortem of a young uh, lesbian girl who had hung herself with a, with a uh, dog chain uh, and all this stuff. And they brought it and dumped it on the laps of evangelical Christians. They brought it to the doorstep of um, of a focus on the family. And so with all these legal institutions behind them, they're pushing this thing on them. But uh, actually by 2014, we had, my mind was changed. This is available on groundswell.org. This was funded by Arcus Foundation, one of the big funders. It's a, a new way to talk um, with conflicted Christians about lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people in church and society, okay? This changes you, tells the actress how to take you out of your framework, what you think as an evangelical Christian, and move you into their framework and move that toward what you should think, okay? Uh, old approach, new approach. Full frontal assault, come alongside, be nice, and let's talk about it. So it's a conversation guide. So when the... Um, when the human rights campaign were in our state, um, you're going to love this. They had eight and a half million dollars in order to uh, focus on the three backwaters of, of civilization in America, Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas, right? And what they said is, if you can get the job done in Mississippi, you can get it done anywhere. And we had one openly uh, lesbian legislator. She became the chairman of the new chapter that they began there. But they had Project One America going. Doesn't that sound great to the American flag. They wrap this thing in patriotism, wrap it in faith. And uh, so this was eight and a half million dollars to bring their agenda into the churches. Here's the nifty little conversation guide uh, that they have, and it is creating safe and inclusive spaces for people who are LGBT uh, in, uh, in the churches. So uh, I'm, this is what we sat down to talk about was their effort behind this. And of course, they didn't want to own the money and they didn't really want to own how organized this whole thing was. They certainly didn't give me this toolkit. I obtained it uh, sort of uh, stealthily. But um, anyway, this is what you can do. This is what you could do, Brian, if you had eight and a half million dollars. But I mean, they've got another 50 million in their general budget. You're not, I don't think you're budgeted anything. Yeah, okay. But you can see how, really, people ask me, how's this moving so fast? Well, it's easy. It's money. Money. Money is doing this. And so then the obvious question after that is why? I asked them plainly, I said, so what are you doing in our churches? I said, well, we're sending gay couples in to see how they react, uh, and we're also how the church reacts, and we're sending transgender teens, and teens who may be a boy, may be a girl, not certain, or very effeminate, or very um, uh, you know, masculine, or whatever, just to see how the churches react, and then we'll know where to concentrate our resources. So the churches were sort of being given this litmus test, and my own church, um, I'm, I'm not a pastor, I'm an evangelist actually, but my own church was getting really wiggly about all this. And uh, I said, look, I mean, nothing's changed. The word of God's forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change. But I want to, if you are not in the Christian faith or, um, uh, or not in the faith at all, you may uh, feel that, uh, that Christians are being picked on. Actually, they're not. This is called gay religion. Uh, this is how they're working within every faith tradition, including Muslims and um, 
uh, LDS, uh, Catholic, and uh, the evangelical community, and um, Hindu, the whole thing. They have someone from their tradition who knows how they think to work to bring about an acceptance of both their fundamental beliefs about homosexuality and yet the idea that you can be that and uh, and uh, homosexual. And, and an example to uh, the co-author here, Scott Thuma, he has written the fourth chapter, which says how you, they're negotiating a gay Christian identity. So be careful with all the language that's changing around us. Uh, I'm sympathetic when people are still dealing with temptation from the past, but when suddenly we're, we can be this and we can be that together with something that's diametrically opposed, that's what this whole sociology approach is and, and what they're talking about here. They don't mind combining the two total opposites. But on the faith front, we also have guys like um, uh, um, Matthew Vines. Anybody heard of him? Reformation Project. Uh, he wrapped, of course, when you say Reformation, we're thinking Martin Luther, but what he's out to do is reform. He dropped out of Harvard, was so compelled. His family was victimized by a non-affirming church when he came out as gay. And so he set out to uh, discover what the Bible really says. So he takes four Old Testament verses and, and three New Testament verses and tries to dismantle the case. Well, I can tell you, you don't have to know Hebrew or Greek or be much of a theologian to blow this thing out of the water. I won't take time to d dig into all of it. But uh, So you've got that, that kind of uh, friendly face. Uh, uh, he's like a young, young guy that all the ladies would want to mother, and they get a long, uh, a long way on the sympathies of women with, with this movement. But uh, the whole idea was to start dismantling the Bible, what it says about it. And there's no ambiguity in the Bible about this. But it's not about other sexual sin either. But I simply want to point out a couple of things to you. If you want to look down the spectrum and see what gay liberation or queer liberation theology does, is it actually sees the entire Christian faith through the lens of homosexuality. Uh, and Robert Goss would be a good person. He's one of the most celebrated theologians. And so he, he is uh, able to bring this stuff forward uh, in a way that is very shocking to you. He's celebrated because of his uh, fixation, uh, a homoerotic fixation on the crucified Christ. Now, I want to just give you some scripture so you can know how you can address this, because the church does need to respond to people in homosexuality. The church does not need to accommodate gay activists who want to push all this stuff in. And so just in the last closing minutes here, I want to give you a couple of things. Uh, all people are broken. We're all broken because we're all sinners. The Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And if you haven't found that out about the man in the mirror when you look at him in the, in the, her in the morning, then just look a little harder and ask God's spirit to reveal. I mean, we are all sinners. And so th there's a beautiful picture in John 4 of Jesus ministering to a woman in utter uh, sexual brokenness. She was an outcast. She was Samaritan. She was a reject. Uh, she had had five husbands and was living with another man. And she walks out to the well out when nobody else is out there, and there sits Jesus, and he set her up. It's one of those divine setups. And she comes uh, to, uh, to him, and, and he says, give me something to drink. And then he says, he's got living water. You know the conversation well. But what he does is he confronts her. They talk a little bit about uh, politics and religion or the politics of religion and history. And then he addresses her need. He goes right to it. He confronts her. She is repentant over the life that she's lived. And then she is given the, one of the clearest revelations of who Jesus is in all of the New Testament. He says, I'm him. I'm the Messiah. Um, but 
the Bible is not uh, ambiguous about marriage. Why marriage is important, we've given up marriage in our culture, but we should not give up the fight to regain it because it's God's institution. Uh, Genesis said it uh, uh, with, uh, in chapter 1, chapter 2, that God made them male and female. You know, that's gender-specific, isn't it? It's gender-specific in their roles. And these, I mean, it's, it's really pretty black and white. I say you don't have to be a theologian to get this. But then he actually attends that marriage ceremony. He performed that first marriage ceremony. And when Jesus is asked about divorce, he said that what God has joined together, don't let man put asunder. So there is a divine role that God plays in a Christian marriage or in a, a, a marriage that's brought before him at the altar. And above all, Ephesians says that marriage is to be uh, a picture of Christ and the church. So we're to be modeling to the world how God loves, and that's why these complementary roles are so important. Uh, but uh, the uh, I want to share with you uh, what is probably the most stigmatized uh, uh, verse in regard to homosexuality, and that is Romans 1. And usually if I'm in a meeting and I say I'm going to read from Romans 1, people just kind of cringe. But um, it, it is hard-hitting about homosexuality and about a lot of other sins. But what he starts out saying, and this is what I would ensure that we need to get, is Paul said, Paul's going into the seat of power, and he's going to take on the idolatry and the immorality. Idolatry, he's taking on Caesar himself, head to head, and because he's a living idol in his own mind, right? And so he takes it on. He plans to go there. The church has already been planted there by the work of the Holy Spirit. There's even believers in Caesar's own household. And so Paul desires to get there, but he's in prison and he's writing and he's waiting for his chance to get there. And he says, but I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Gentile. He said, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. And then he says, but the wrath of God is revealed in those who do these things. And he is very explicit. And so what, what's actually happening with all this is an, an outright effort to get us to accept a specific sin with special status, to change what God said about it for what the social uh, uh, structure and the culture and these uh, societal uh, change mechanisms and theories of social change are telling us, we should say. Lastly, I would like to say, to protect your family, you need to engage the, your kids and your grandkids. Uh, grandparents, you need to engage that, that couple that are raising your grandkids. You cannot assume what they think about this because the culture is being marinated. Even the church is being marinated in this stuff. So last, I want to leave with you. Those three words that Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And then I refer you to Second uh, Peter uh, uh, 2, 4 through 10. Uh, what happened to Lot's family when he decided to live in the city of, of, uh, of Sodom, when he set up his, his home there, he raised his family there, he lost the two daughters and their husbands. They wouldn't even listen to him. They were already lost. He tried to intervene to save these angels, and the angels had to show their power to save even his household. He was so distorted because he, he had become influential and was sitting in the city gates. And I close with this. The, he was sitting there uh, willing to offer his two virgin daughters to those men to satiate them. Uh, this agenda can ruin your family. 
don't let it happen. Be true to God's word and to uh, and to the faith that uh, has uh, we've inherited from our fathers. Amen. Okay. So, uh, all right. So that was that was the first presentation. Just so you know, we're doing a ninety-minute show today. Probably a little under that, depending on. Uh, stuff. So this second presentation, well, first of all, I want to make one other comment. Randall, I turned your mic up so you can talk if you want to. Um, Matthew Vines has been completely debunked, just so you know. In fact, it's absolutely amazing that the National Religious Broadcasters Convention last, wasn't, wasn't this year, it was last year. I think it was, I think it was last year. Uh, Janet Parshall, maybe was it this year? Yeah, Janet Parshall did a um, did a panel with with Ann Polk from the Restored Hope Network. Um, I think Matthew Vines was the other speaker on there for the pro-gay side. Anyway, all the real biblical scholars of of the Bible actually wrote books completely debunking and ripping apart Matthew Vines' pathetic uh, interpretation of Scripture. Um, so, you know, and, and the thing is, it's really sad, you know, what he was talking about is this is a kid. He is. Maybe he's a man child, but he's a baby to me. Anyway, he's just a boy, a uh, very confused young man, actually. Um, and and it's just sad. And then the other thing that stood out to me, which I had never even thought about, um, was when when he talked about when when this speaker talked about in the Bible where it says it says here in Matthew 19, uh, verse beginning of verse five, it says, and he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then he asked, did Moses order a man to give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? So this is the, this is the passage I always go to you know, concerning, you know, they always say Jesus never said anything about homosexuality or, or gay or gay marriage. Uh, but no, what he did was he actually affirmed marriage the way that he originally created it. And I just thought of it when, when he, when, when he was saying that, um, it says, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. I've always thought, okay, so like, for example, God put joined me and Randall together. So nobody should try to separate us. But if you look at it even at a deeper level, what God has joined together between man and woman, period, let no man try to separate. And this is exactly what this lobby does. They're completely trying to dismantle the definition of marriage, and they've done it. Okay? They, they have done it. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think you're spot on. And I was just thinking this morning, just using rationality. Well, before I forget, yeah, the whole Matthew Vines thing, what – Basically, what he did is tried to take secular culture at the time and impose an interpretation on the scripture. Much of what's happening today, people are trying to give new interpretation of scripture based on secular culture and say, well, this is what the Bible means because secular culture disagrees, so the Bible has to conform to it. The word of God has to change, and that was... Uh, Matthew Vine's sort of interpretive method of, of scriptures is to impose secular culture on top of it. Oh, this is what they really meant because this is the way secular culture was behaving. And anyway, like you said, completely uh, not even scholarship, completely debunked. 
All right. Now, about, uh, you know, Jesus said, holding up the, um, the, the right thing, the, the model of marriage between man and woman, and that man should not separate that. Uh, I was thinking this morning, just using logic, that, well, if, you know, if something is good for people, it should be good for all people, right? Right. I mean, I mean, if something is good, then it's universally good. You know, if it's if it's good not for someone not to murder someone, be good for everyone not to murder someone. If it's good not to be murdered, then it's good for everyone not to be murdered. And now all the haters come up, but okay, uh, let's take a certain sexual practice, homosexuality. Now, if it's good normal, then it should be good for everybody. And if everybody was homosexual, that would be the end of human history. This would be the last generation because there would be no, there would be no reproduction. There would be no procreation. Um, Who's homosexual? Who's the hetero in this debate? Um, I'm not sure what debate you're talking about. This is an debate going on here. This is a complete agreement between husband and wife. Um, and I'm that, in no mood, so if you continue with your snarky comments, I'm going to go ahead and block you, just right. so you know. So, it's, so not, it's not the day. It's not the day to troll me. Yeah. So, so no debate here. That um, you know, if how is it just good for certain people? You know, those things that apply to, and we're not talking about butcher, baker, candlestick maker. You know, an occupation. We're talking about um, human dignity and and relationships and being as a human, and so yeah. Anyway, if it yeah, it just doesn't follow suit. That if it's a great thing, then okay, then it should be great universally. If it is, it's not because that means the end of human history. So much for human dignity and relationship because it'd all be gone. Okay. So this this next presentation, this is a half hour. Definitely worth sitting through well. Um, it's, this is my friend Peter LaBarbera, who is the founder of Americans for Truth About Homosexuality. This, by the way, was actually presented at Texas Mass Resistance. And here's the, something you should know about the organization Mass Resistance. It actually stands for Massachusetts Resistance. It was, it was founded by Brian Kamaker, who is actually um, a Jewish guy. Right. I don't know that he's a a Messianic Jew, but he is a as far as I know, he's a secular Jew. Um, But what he has done single handedly in the state of Massachusetts is actually track the gay lobby in the schools in particular because he cares about children. He wants to protect kids. Well, mass resistance has grown over the years. And um, so they were having a, a meeting in Texas. And this is the conference that you're actually seeing. All of this whole this whole conference is actually on YouTube. That's where I'm playing this from. Uh, so this is actually Peter LaBarbera, who is giving an overview of the actual underbelly of the LGBT movement. And believe it or not, uh, Peter is actually probably, in my opinion, the number one expert on this topic in the world, especially here in the United States. Uh, so, um, so let's go ahead and roll this. This is like, this is 28 minutes, uh, and pay attention and share this out. So people who are interested can, can see it because you're not going to, you're not going to see this in the, in the regular media. Frankly, you're not going to see it in most Christian media because most Christians don't want to cover it either. 
they have been effectively silenced. Roll that footage. Yep. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Brian, and uh, thanks to Robert Oscar Lopez. Um, I'm going to try to give you, uh, just okay. you a, a just sense of second. how the, the homosexual movement, the homosexual lobby groups have. I shall also, you just keep it there. I should also say that this man here on the screen, he has actually gone to jail in Canada for standing next to a man who was trying to warn people about the homosexual agenda. He did nothing. He, he committed no crime. But in Canada, he was actually arrested for standing up and basically saying homosexuality is a sin. So Peter the Barber is the real guy. He's the real dude. He's been persecuted for his Christian faith, not only all over America, but also in Canada, where the freedom of speech and religion isn't, isn't, is worse than it is here in America. They have stricter, uh, stricter, um, um, uh, laws, laws yeah. Bill, well, you probably, if you follow this golden lamp of oil, um, then you might know who Bill Walcott is. He was the one that was actually Peter LaBarbera, this guy on the screen, was actually standing with when he was arrested about, I think it was two years ago or something, um, and actually put in jail. So this is a persecuted Christian today in America who has been in jail in Canada and been vilified all over our media, including some Christian media that have a yellow belly, um, because they don't want to actually look at the actual evidence and the truth about this sin. Right. So anyway. Um, OK, so go ahead. Now, pay attention to what he's going to say. He's going to talk about Alfred Kinsey. You guys have heard about the Kinsey report. This is a this is the report. Basically, this pervert and he was a complete pervert um, actually said that 10 percent of the population is gay. Uh, he did sex research on infants. That's how he's starting this out. And he will end the, the, the talk also talking about it. So um, you can learn more. OK, go ahead. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> Uh, especially the human rights campaign, which I sometimes call the human wrongs campaign, because that's what they're all about normalizing. Uh, but uh, how they, this ingenious way they, they've set upon uh, manipulating uh, companies. So, um, but before I do that, before I start on the first slide, I just want to remind you all uh, that this entire movement, uh, the sexual revolution, uh, has been built on lies. And I, I brought with me, because I like to show people this, this is the Sexual Behavior in the Human Male by Alfred Kinsey, the first, quote, sexologist, who was a very corrupt man, a man with, uh, with deviant impulses himself. And uh, in case you didn't know, this, this is 1948 This came out. These are tables of showing tables, and I'm, I'm sorry, there's no children in the room. The table showing multiple orgasms in pre-adolescent males. This is incredibly, he took data from child molesters. Um, this is what is given a large credit for the uh, the growth and power of the homosexual movement because Kinsey overestimated the number of homosexuals in society because his research was corrupt. There are parts of this book that I couldn't even read here. They're so they're so disgusting and vile. I'll just read you one sentence. He said this is this is his research, which was a huge promoted just amazingly by the media because he was an expert uh, he was expert at PR and he manipulated the media into waiting for this book. So when it came out, they were all ready to spread it. Um, he said, the most remarkable aspect of, pre, of the pre-adolescent population is its capacity to achieve repeated orgasm in limited periods of time. And then, as I said, this is just one table, table 30, here's table 34, uh, age, five months, 11 months, number of orgasms, 11 months, 10 orgasms, time involved, time involved, one hour, 
I mean, can you imagine? This is the basis of the sexual revolution. There's still a Kinsey Institute affiliated with the University of Indiana. Why is there a Kinsey Institute when this monster is the basis of it all? And so I want you to get to understand, as you've seen here, that the entire movement is based on lies. There's so many of them, it's hard to keep track. The 10% myth, 10% of society is gay. So many. And, and, uh, and another important thing to remember is this movement should not be trusted with our children because the movement has not, been, has not shown responsibility towards children. This is a book called Gay Talk, which I think was written in 1972 by a homosexual man named uh, Bruce Rogers. Uh, guess what a slang word for, um, there's a slang word in, uh, among homosexual men, say in San Francisco, uh, the word was chicken. Here's the definition in gay slang. Chicken, a young recruit, you know, uh, any boy under the age of consent, heterosexual, fair of face, and unfamiliar with homosexuality. Slang, here's a slang for chicken dinner, the definition in, in this book by a gay writer, sex with a teenager. So this is not a movement which has been responsible towards children, and yet we are now feeding them the educational system. So um, this is who I am, Americans for Truth About Homosexuality. We're a group that uh, we monitor the, the movement. I've been doing this for 25 years. I'm also a reporter for LifeSite News, which I encourage you to uh, go to their website, LifeSite News, and subscribe. They, they supply some of the, the finest reporting in the pro-family movement on this issue and the life issue. Uh, next slide. Uh, this is uh, a Walmart. Uh, this is, I think, 2015, uh, New, York time, uh, New York City Gay Pride Parade. Walmart uh, is a sponsor. They got Walmart. Now, if you, can, if you can win over Walmart, you can win over pretty much any corporation, the homosexual movement. Uh, next slide. Uh, as I said, it's a revolution. Even the, the victors now call it a revolution. It's not reforms. It's not civil rights. It's a revolution. And we know how revolutions often end up. And uh, this one is no, no exception. This is a book by a, 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 a pro-homosexual writer, Linda Hirschman. Uh, next slide. Um, you know, really quickly, because I want to get to the part about the corporations, but uh, these are just some key verses I put up about this issue. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17:9. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end, that way, end thereof is death. Then, as, we, as uh, Jeff, uh, Tom talked about, uh, Romans 1, uh, dishonorable passions. Uh, you know, we come at this from, uh, I'm a Christian. Um, we don't come to saying because we're better than people. We, we simply agree with God. We're all sinners. We needed Christ. We offer him to, to others. Uh, next slide. Um, and what I think one of the most important verses of all, 1 Corinthians 6, such, and such were some of you. There were ex-homosexuals in Bible times. And, and yet um, this movement that talks about diversity and inclusion castigates and, and, and you know, just expresses great hate to people, you know, like Robert Oscar Lopez and David Pickup who've come out of the movement. They show no tolerance and inclusion towards those people. So it's a very hypocritical movement. Um, uh, for, you know, flee sexual immorality. These are all verses that are relevant. And we, but we come with the heart of Christ. As Michael uh, Brown says, we offer forgiveness, but we, we say no to the agenda, to the agenda which is basically a sin movement. Uh, next next movement. And I call it a sin movement. Uh, activists don't like that. Here's another former homosexual, Stephen Black. He's speaking at our, our banquet in October for Americans for Truth. Stephen Black, was, uh, he was actually molested when he was young. He's uh, uh, on the board of Restored Hope Network. He has his own ministry for Stone. 
wonderful resource out of the movement, happy, uh, happily married. Um, but notice how there's no visibility in the media or the corporate world for people like this. Next. Um, this is, I, don't, I wish I knew who, who, wrote, who made this statement, but I think it's so apropos. Those who hate the truth call truth hate. And it's almost as if, you, if you're not being called a hater, you're not doing anything effective on this issue because it's the main tactic of the other side. And I think another important thing on next days is if you deny change, you're denying Jesus. I mean, mass murderers have been forgiven and are going to be in heaven. I know that's a hard truth for somebody, but if, if, if the grace can extend to murderers, certainly can extend to people who caught up in homosexual sin. And yet, even now, the so-called gay Christian movement is, and, and, the, and the gay conservatives, who I'm very wary of because they, they are not conservative on their pet issue. They may be conservative on taxes, on foreign policy, but when it comes to their issue, I've found that most uh, so-called gay Republicans, gay conservatives, are not conservative. I can tell a quick story. Tammy Bruce is a very famous gay conservative. Uh, she's a lesbian with a radio talk show. She's on Fox News. Once she set me up on a radio show, she posed as a homophobe uh, talk show host. And she, I, I had put out a press release on Disneyland. Uh, I think it was Disneyland and how they had gay days. And I said, you know, parents have a right to know because what happens on these, very, on these homosexual celebrations is parents show up at the theme park and they don't know it's a special gay activist day. And they, they're kind of stuck there. They spend all this money. They travel there. So I said they simply should be warned. And she thought I was, that was a terrible thing. And so she, this is Tammy Bruce who is now a very uh, you know, famous libertarian conservative on Fox News, she posed as a homophobe, and she tried to get me to say that, that you know, she, she, she was like, well, don't you just want to hit them sometimes? Talking about gays, do you want to hit them? I said, no, we, we, just, we just disagree. We have a moral disagreement. And then at the last minute, she says, well, I want to tell you, my name is Tammy Bruce. I'm the biggest out gay lesbian on the West Coast, and you have, 30, you have one minute to respond. And I was shaking, and I, I just tried to get out the truth that we disagree. To disagree is not to hate. I asked for the tape of Tammy Bruce's show, and she wouldn't give it to me. So as I said, when it comes to their issue, beware of the, quote, gay Christians and the gay conservatives, because often they're, they're activists on that issue. Uh, next slide. Uh, I, I do the sexual sin substitution test, is what I call it. It may not be very academic, but it's very useful. Anytime you hear the word gay or homosexual, anything mentioned in the story or discussion, substitute another sexual sin and see if it makes sense. It, it rarely does. We never talk about incest phobes. Um, we don't talk about our adulterous, our adulterous Christian friends, luster's pride parade. I mean, a lot of guys would be eligible for that, right? We don't talk about We don't have luster's pride parades. Um, we don't have Obama didn't issue a, pride, a porn user's proclamation month, right? And it goes on and on, but it just goes to show you there's always a special consideration for this. Why? Because it has such a powerful, well-funded movement behind it. Uh, next slide. No, there's no gay gene. This is, uh, this is Dr. Lisa Diamond. She is a higher up in the APA, that's American Psychological uh, Association. She's the editor-in-chief of the handbook. She said that sexual orientation is fluid and it is not unchangeable. This is last year. This is huge. This is a lesbian activist saying this. And because uh, I think Gallup finds that roughly half the population still believes that homosexuality is genetic. The science has moved away from it, but the homosexual lobby knew it was a powerful tool. Even the gay academics have moved away from it, but a lot of Americans still believe that. So we need to educate people on that. It's fluid. It's changeable. It's, it's, a, it's about behavior. It's not who you are. 
it's what you're doing. And everybody is responsible for their sexual behavior, and you're, we're all responsible for, for what we do. Next. Okay, I call this the war on normal. I mean, every aspect of the agenda. Here's, here's Bruce Jenner, pardon my vernacular here, fake breasts, fake femininity, fake civil rights. This is Bruce Jenner, who was, <laughs> when I was a kid, he was like, Bruce Jenner, he was on the Wheaties box, remember? He was a stud. He, he won the Olympic decathlon, for goodness sake. And now here he is posing for some makeup product with these, you know, this whole artificial femininity. It's just laughable. And yet, how does the media treat it? Deadly serious. Don't ever violate the pronoun police, right? I call them the pronoun police. If you don't say he for a woman who thinks she's a man, if you don't say she for a guy who thinks he's a woman, you're a transphobe. You're a bigot. Just, just don't play into their games. We have to get back to reality. And the media is basically now part of the homosexual movement. The media sometimes won't even include another point of view in a story. They, they, they just go written by the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, or here's PFLAG, this is the, the parents, friends, and families of lesbians and gays, a homosexual activist group. This is 2007, Our Trans Children. This has been going on a long time. But the media, they, they, they pressure the media, and the media only gives token now uh, acknowledgement to the fact that there is another side and somehow we have, to, we have to get some of that back because when you have such power with the media and the corporate world, it's hard to make progress. Uh, next slide. Okay, here's that same Walmart parade. Believe it or not, this is a sadomasochistic contingent. Some leather bar in New York is marching. So, so Walmart actually sponsored not just gay pride, they sponsored uh, leather pride, leather being the slang word for sadomasochism. Other guys in leather vests and everything. You can't see it very clearly, but notice the flag on the left. Ironically, it's black and blue. It's that's the flag for leather pride, sadomasochism, with the heart in the corner. So all these basic perversions all have their own flags now. So and and once you take away the boundaries, you take away God's boundaries on sexuality. How can you really say say no to anything, right? The floodgates are removed, and that's why we're going to see polyandry, all these polymorphous perversities. We're, we're, they're just it just keeps coming. Uh, next, I call this Satan's talking points. This is uh, back in, I think, uh, what's the year on this? 2007, Harry Knox in a debate with my friend Matt Barber on MSNBC. This is just incredible. This is human rights campaign. This is the group which is driving the lobby, the most successful homosexual activist group. Look what he says. This is Harry Knox, a so-called gay Christian. What's clear from our experience and from science is that being gay or lesbian is an immutable, unchangeable gift from God, one for which I am very grateful, and it would fly in the face of my respect for God to give that gift back. It would simply be unethical and hurtful to our relationship with the Creator to give back gifts that God has given us. What could be a greater demonstration of calling evil good? So I, let me let me interject here just for a second. So. So what he just did was he gave you a quote from the human rights campaign. Okay. So this is, this is the human should be referred to homosexuality. That's because, because they don't care about heterosexual rights. They're only caring about homosexual rights, but they call it the human rights campaign. Or, or the four. Oh, wait, hold on. I turn you up. Okay. Okay. They don't, they don't fight for the poor or, you know, child labor or right. you know, impoverished people or disease or anything. Nothing, nothing or women's rights. The nothing human, all the rights of humans, it's right. They're strictly all about 
homosexual rights. Right. So going going back to um, the beginning where Peter was talking about Kinsey, you know, Kinsey was a homosexual, by the way. I guess, you know, he was married, but he 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 and he advocated and engaged in homosexual behavior and with youth. That's been uncovered. But here's the thing. The homosexual lobby will always tell you that they're not interested in children. Okay. And yet a couple of years ago, a man by the name of Terrence Bean, a.k.a. Terry Bean, B-E-A-N, just like Bean, the top head honcho guy at the human rights campaign was actually arrested for having sex with underage boy. Okay. And the media, by and large, actually spiked that story. I've tracked it for a couple of years. You know, he was basically given time. And, and then Kia Lawson, who was the young man that he did this with, uh, had a meltdown and, and all this other stuff. So if you actually go into Google News, you type in Terry Bean and Kia Lawson. It's K-I-A-H-L-A-W-S-O-N. You can actually see that the head of the homosexual rights campaign, a.k.a. human rights campaign, was actually indicted for sex with a minor. Um, and yet nobody talks about it, right? But if you go ahead and you bring it up as a Christian, just, you know, hey, look at the evidence. This is the thing. And now what I'm not saying, however, what I'm not saying is that all homosexuals are, have a propensity for sex with, with uh, young boys. But well, I will, what I will say is that the majority uh, are actually generally recruited which is what Peter was actually talking about in the beginning. And why, if they didn't care about kids, why have they already infiltrated and indoctrinated students at, at the kindergarten level and into this bit, into this, um, this thing, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. I remember um, a couple of years back, it had to be, I don't know, it was quite a while ago. My very naive young pastor one day went to Disneyland only to find out that his, that it happened to be gay days at Disneyland. And he was outraged. He came and he told me, I can't believe that that happened. And I'm like, um, well, in case you don't know it, Disney is one of the biggest funders of the LGBT lobby, right? I mean, so anytime you go to a movie Disney promotes, you're, you're, you're putting money into the LGBT lobby's pocket. I can't stand Disney myself, but, but you know, don't be stupid and, and go, oh, oh, yeah, okay, it's just naive stuff. Well, you end up at Disneyland on gay days. What are you going to do? leave right if you don't want your kid exposed to it so um it's 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 absolutely ridiculous but there's a lot of yellow-bellied pastors in the country who don't want to talk about it which is part of the problem that we have uh but anyway let's go back and continue listening out how much how long is how much is left about 10 15 minutes about 15 minutes okay let's watch the rest of what peter has to say and good evil it's completely flipped Rather than the practice being a sin, it's a gift from God. And to reverse the sin would be to be hurtful towards God. This is blasphemy. I call it Satan's talking points. Uh, next, this is, a, this is the acknowledgement of 100% ranking by the Human Rights Campaign with what we're going to talk about here, the Corporate Equality Index. This is what all the corporations want because they're all pandering to the homosexual lobby. Uh, next. Okay, I want to go through these criteria, and there's some I want to talk about more than others, but essentially the way this works is the Human Rights Campaign has been doing this for over 15 years. They rate a corporation, they set up their criteria for 100% perfect ranking. 
And then the genius of what, the evil genius of what they do is every couple of years they ramp the criteria up. So if corporations are trying to get 100% ranking, they get that 100% ranking, and then two years from now, they have even higher standards to meet. And of course, they don't want to fall off. So, so the, the gay activists go, oh, no, Chevron fell off. You know, No, they, they, they know that they've got them. I mean, the gay lobby, uh, you know, if you thought Jesse Jackson knew how to shake down corporations, he, he had nothing on the gay lobby. I mean, he was like a school kid compared to the gay lobby. They've got this down to a science. Here's their booklet for 2017. This is 111 pages, I think. Look at this thing. It's huge. They rank the corporations, and they're constantly upping their criteria. So uh, this, this is the, the ones that are in, in line this year, and they're tightened up for next year. Okay, number one, you've got the, the sexual orientation uh, uh, codes in the, in, the, in the corporation, also gender identity, no discrimination based on basically gender confusion. Uh, that's the code, gender identity being the PC word for that. 1C, contractor, vendor, uh, non-discrimination standards. This is the latest thing, as I'll talk about. They're moving into vendors and, and subcontractors, suppliers. Uh, they, they will be mandating that's, that every corporation, whatever suppliers they use, meaning if you, you're a company that sells tires to GM, they're, now gonna, they're going to mandate beginning, I think, in 2019 that those companies have uh, all these standards. So it just, they keep reaching, they're inside and, they're, and their tentacles reach out. Okay, uh, two-way equivalent spousal and marital benefits, that's treating unequal things as equal. They're treating homosexual couples, so-called, with uh, normally married employee couples. Um, uh, medical, medical benefits, we're gonna get into that because what is transgender sex reassignment surgeries or so-called sex change? What, is, what do they fall under? Medical care, right? Yeah, Obamacare wanted it too. That's, okay, so to, uh, parity across spousal benefits. They want parity in all levels. Anything that's offered to a normal married couple, I, I'm sorry to, to be politically incorrect and say normal, but uh, they want available for homosexual couples. Okay, here's 2C, transgender inclusive health insurance coverage. Okay, next. Okay, uh, we'll continue with these. Uh, organizational competency, that's basically the training in the corporation, diversity seminars, always pro-homosexual. And this is another huge business. Bobby was talking about the, the schools. It's the same in the diversity business. It, this is billions and billions of dollars. And, and of course, all the money's going to the, the pro-LGBT diversity people. It's not like they're saying, hey, let's bring in Robert Oscar Lopez here so we can have true diversity. Although I think we need that. We need something like that. So this is a huge business, and it all, it all rewards itself, right? And these people are getting big money because it's corporations that have a lot of money. Um, okay, uh, employee research resource groups. That's basically a, a gay employees group. Um, number four, positively. Okay, this is, four is key. Uh, four is, uh, is basically rewarding the homosexual community. And what they do is they get points. They have to do a certain number of things. One of them is give grants to homosexual groups. And so you see these massive grants coming from big corporations. PepsiCo, I think, gave $500,000 one year to some gay event. Sometimes, and they, there's so much stuff, being, money being thrown around, and this is an opportunity for us. They're funding things that are, are just incredibly perverse. Uh, Southwest Airlines, we, we wrote about it for Americans for Truth. You can Google it. They funded uh, the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force Creating Change event, which is a huge homosexual organizing event. And in that, there was a play about Jesus being gay, a gay Jesus play. 
was shown at that at that event. Here, so here you have Southwest. You know, think, think about these corporations. They're all about what the brand, right? Careful, watch the brand. Oh, you want to associate with Brian Kamaker because our brand, and yet they're and yet they're funding these 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 events in the name of LGBT, you know, uh, support that are that are blasphemous, that are funding, uh, that are talking about perversion and and even perversions that are not accepted now beyond LGBT, like poly. So let me let me just make a comment here. All right. So if you don't think what Peter is saying is true about about the whole funding thing, I can testify personally that I've had people who have in the past wanted to work with Bible News Radio in me and Randall, right? I've had people not only say, oh, I, I would love to work with you guys. You guys are great Christians and blah, 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 blah. But then when they find out that we actually talk about this issue, they run. And they're like, nope, sorry, we can't, we can't be associated with that. Fellow believers, right? I've I actually even had one guy who wanted to promote his book and everything. And then when he looked at my website and saw that I even touched this issue and talked about it, he's like, nope, I don't want to go on your show and promote my book. Perfect audience for his book, Christian Bible News Radio, you know. Um, and so, you know, the question is, the question is, and, th- and this is the thing. The question is, where are all the Christians, the big Christian organizations, the millionaires and billionaires and Christian entrepreneurs and regular Christians, where are they uh, and how come they're not giving to Christian ministries like like mine or others that I know of that actually take a stand for biblical truth? People always talk about how, oh, I'm and and I'm just going to rant just for a little it's not really a rant. It's the truth. I've had the number one issue people tune into this show for is what we're talking about today. True story. I have more email from people saying, thank you so much for covering this issue. I wish more people would cover it. My pastor doesn't cover it. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And yet the thing is, is okay. So you appreciate it. So help fund us, right? Become a pillar of our community, you know, uphold the hands that are, that are, that are actually being the voice on the front lines for you. Cause you know, I tell you what people are, are ignorant about this issue because pastors won't talk about it because they're scared and they've been indoctrinated and they fear man over God, which is frankly the truth. Um, and so look, if you like what we do, then become a pillar of our community or just donate, you know, whenever you can. But if you become a pillar, you know, that means that you're going to donate once a month to us. Uh, $25 a month or more is what we suggest. If you can't afford that or you don't want to give that much, you know, it's basically you know taking me and Randall out to dinner once a month. Who wouldn't want to do that? Anyway, all you have to do is go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. As you can see, the, the LGBT lobby is extremely well-funded. And little ministries, even like Peter's uh, Americans for Truth about homosexuality, I know that he struggles all the time to get people to donate to him. And yet he is one of the most sweetest people that I know. And, and all, and exactly what he's saying here is exactly the truth. Nobody is saying we hate gay people. You know, nobody's saying anything. We're just telling you the history of how corporations get funded. Right. And it's like, and yet, and yet a lot of Christians complain, well, how come nobody's there and how come we don't have righteous government? How come we don't have this? We don't have that. It's because Christians don't vote. They don't put their money where they claim their biblical values really are, 
right? I mean, seriously. And let's just be honest. I'll be flat out direct. There's there's a whole bunch of, of uh, you know, hucksters here on Periscope that will scam you and give you complete false hope. They'll lie to you. I've seen it, right? But people who actually are helping you in your walk to be bold in your faith, it's like, what? No. Oh, yeah, we appreciate that, but we don't want to help fund you. Why? You You put your money where your mouth is, you know? Just saying, you put your money where your mouth is. And, you know, God will honor you. Trust me, he will. I'm not starving, you know, but I just have to say that, um, you know, it's, you know, people wonder why we're losing. It's because Christians aren't putting their, you know, here's the thing. I'll just go on this. If Christians actually even gave 5% of a tithe to their local body, the church would have be even way more effective than it currently is now. It's probably 20% of the people that go to a church that actually even give any money to a church. Unless of course you're a prosperity, wealth and gospel teacher where you're blabbing it and grabbing it and you're lying to your congregation saying, God will bless you and give you this. If you give that, then people will pour the money into that because they're greedy. They actually don't want the truth. And that is the truth. What I just said, and I know some of you don't like that, but, it's the truth. It's the complete truth, you know? So anyway, I feel as though I need to meet you both. Yeah. Well, we're, we're actually, we're available. That's us here. Anyway, I, one of the things I will tell you, um, if you join our um, pillar of the community thing, we have a Facebook group that we put other stuff in. And also we're doing a monthly meetup with our pillars once a month via zoom. So, you know, if you want to be a part of that, you can join that. Um, But anyway, this is the truth, and what Peter is talking about here is the absolute truth. And he's actually going to talk about now how the normalization of polyamory is going to come, and that's basically sex with multiple partners, okay? And if you don't think the ultimate goal of the LGBT lobby is to normalize pedophilia, then you didn't hear my show yesterday. You need to go back and listen to it. And the other goal is to lower the age of consent for sex with minors. NAMBLA, the North American Man and Boy Love Association, that's their goal. Sex before eight, or it's too late. That's their motto. Okay? Just saying. All right, so I hate it. I hate telling you this stuff because it's like, you know, you're going to stone me or something. But it's actually true, right? It's, it's, it's true. So anyway, okay, we'll just finish listening to the rest of this, and then we'll have Randall give some closing thoughts too. Andrew, Polly, multiple partner relationships, that's going to be that's the next wave because if love is love, right? That was one of the lines for gay marriage. Love is love. Well, if love is love, what about three people who love each other? What about three men and a woman? You know? Um, so uh, they have, so giving money is one way. Um, recruiting LGBT employees is another. So they're always showing up, recruiting more LGBT employees. And another, I think, is doing ads in, uh, in homosexual publications and such. And it's all rewarded with corporate dollars. And they have to to get the, the five points. See, you want the perfect rating, you've got to get that five points. So it fuels itself. Uh, next. Okay, here's the, this, this is the transgender one. Okay, just really quickly here, uh, notice health coverage, equal health coverage for transgender individuals without exclusions for medically necessary care. Okay, guess what's medically necessary? Yeah, and these operations are so 
horrifying. It's hard to even talk about them, uh, especially the pro-family conflicts. But uh, benefits all through services related to gender transition, mental health benefits, coverage for medical visits, laboratory services, coverage for reconstructive surgical procedures, uh, plan language ensuring adequacy of network. So everything is available. And look at the last one. Dollar maximums on this area of coverage must never meet or exceed $75,000. So um, this is the, the beginning for a the next round, they're upping the ante to make it, uh, I believe the next round, it goes even, uh, remo- the next round, which is 2019, but I think it will be for the year 2018, removed all, removed all trans sexual, transgender exclusions for transition-related care, meaning anything that's applicable to a, a man and a woman, you know, a, say a male, uh, how he's covered with his family, his wife, kids, must be available for transgender individual employees in the name of healthcare. So can you see how nefarious this is, how insidious, you know, just foaming the own agenda. The, the last one, go to the next slide, please. This is the this is pure evil. Look at this one. CEI, that's the HRC Corporate Equality Index, Criterion 5. It, I'm calling it, this is not what it's called in the book, penalizing corporations that give to pro-family causes. So employers, say Chevron, will have 25 points deducted from their score for a large-scale official or public anti-LGBT blemish on their recent records. And then nobody got it. Okay, so what does that mean? Robert Oscar Lopez goes to a corporation, finds a sympathetic ear. There are miracles, right? Would you fund my conference? They say, hey, we'll give you $5,000. Gay activist Joe Smith gets a hold of it and says, you funded this. He goes to the corporation. If they say, if they won't repent and say, oh, well, you made a terrible mistake and probably publicly renounce Bobby Lopez, they will be take, fined 25 points off their score. So here you have a scorecard which gives money, which rewards corporations for giving tons of money to gay activists and pandering to every facet of the LGBT activist agenda, and yet penalizes corporations. For, for helping out conservatives. I think one of our things we have to do is let people know how corrupt the system is, and we need to find targets, whether we focus on one. Brian will talk about that, how we do it, but we've got to find them, and we've got to delegitimize this scorecard that the Human Rights Campaign puts out, because it's about as illegitimate as the Southern Poverty Law Center, a far-left organization with really shoddy research, is in calling people like us, all three of us here have been labeled hate, uh, hate groups. The Southern Poverty Law Center is, you know, they manipulate hate. And what does the media do? They say, oh, uh, a certified hate group. Certified by who? Cert- certified by this left-wing whack job group, the, Man- the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, so we have to work through these media manipulations, which are everywhere. Okay, next slide. Okay, here again is, is a, the, the thing that goes on the windshield for the corporations put this in their ads, start looking for this. That's the human rights campaign equal sign. You know, they're, they're, they're basically a radical egalitarian organization, but they call it equality because equality sounds really good, doesn't it? How can you be against equality? Well, remember that Marxism and communism was done in the name of equality. Millions upon millions of people were murdered in the name of equality. Okay, next slide. 
Okay, Texas Compete. This is where you guys are. Uh, this is the group which is uh, uh, Texas corporations who are on the side of the LGBT lobby in this SB6. Is that the name of the, the bill? SB6. The bathroom bill. This, this is a this is the main one of the, one of the efforts. And look what they're saying. These are signers. They've got 1,250 corporate signers. Go on the site. Just Google Texas competes. All signers committed to promoting competitive, ec economically vibrant Texas. See how they're trying to co-opt the language? If you're not pro-LGBT, you can't be competitive. They constantly are defining the frame of the argument. We're always reacting to the frame. What we need is a movement, and I think Brian Kammerker is in the vanguard of this, we need a movement that where we set the frame and they react to our frame because we're always reacting and face it, even the religious liberty fight, what are we doing? We're reacting to their frame. And what is the frame? We believe that in order for Texas businesses to compete for top talent, must have workplace and competitive communities that are diverse and welcoming for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. What about welcoming for Christians? What about welcoming for Orthodox Jews? Who, who want their, I mean, it's all about validation, right? Validating the employees. What about validating your Christian employees? And that, that might be a way in for us. Because it's hard to say no to people in the name of inclusion and diversity. But we have to force them to do that. Okay, so we, we believe that treating all Texans and visitors fairly is essential to maintaining Texas' strong brand as the premier home, home for talented workers, growing businesses, entrepreneurial innovation, and the thriving travel and tourism industry. And so they're trying to sell this, even in Texas, this great red state, which so many people across the United States look at Texas for their hope. <laughs> we can, you know, they, they want to win in Texas because they know that will break the spirit of people all over the country. I mean, I'm from the People's Republic of Illinois. You know, I can't wait to leave. We've lost almost every aspect of this agenda. But a lot of people in Illinois are moving to Texas. They want, people want freedom. And this, this movement is anathema to Christian values, to biblical values, to genuine freedom. They, they are the opposite. And yet it's hard to convey that to people. We almost have to do it like the old Soviet Union. There was a thing called Samistats, which were uh, informal publications that people would make their own news because they couldn't trust Pravda and Izvestia, right? They had to, they had to go underground. And they would copy my copy machines and they would circulate news. That, that's what we are, even with the internet, because I forgot to say in the, in the film on the ex-gays, the one with uh, Stephen Black, the former homosexual, Vimeo, which is the second biggest free video, you know, Vimeo, like YouTube, only Vimeo, they just cut all of Restored Hope Networks and David Kyle Foster's, who's another ex-gay, uh, his group is called Pure Passion, they cut all the videos of ex-gays because they said they demean homosexuality. So even in this internet culture, we have to have safe platforms that will, that where we can get out the truth because we have the truth. And I'll end with this. Imagine if a brave Christian in 1948, and there were people who fought Kinsey, but it obviously wasn't done effectively. Because imagine if there were people like Gloria, the brave teacher in the back there, who said, wait a minute, why is the media celebrating a book which is taking data on baby orgasms? Here it is. Here's the tables. Look at it. Published by Saunders Publishing, I think based in Philadelphia. Why was this book allowed to be to gain ground? Why was Kinsey 
allowed to become the fraudulent basis for the sexual revolution? And why is the homosexual lobby allowed to dictate who is, who is fair, who is equitable? Why are they the arbiter? They are corrupt. We're talking the hardcore activists here. Of course, we, we yearn to have people who are struggling with, with, their, with their sexuality. We yearn for them to be healed, come to Christ, have their lives changed like so many people have. But they're not running the movement. The movement, these are hardcore activists, and they are set on change. It's not about each issue. It's about changing the culture. Thank you. Okay, so uh, that is uh, Peter LaBarbera giving his presentation there at the, the Texas Mass Resistance. I know you're trying to stop it. Don't worry, it'll happen. So, Don't let the stack of stuff scare you. I'm not going to yeah, go through all of it. Uh, I'll just use it as yeah. uh, uh, really as visual aid. So let me let me make a couple of comments, and I, I know we've totally gone over our 90 minutes. We were this is longer than I expected it, but I'm not going to have a lot of days to do more news in the near future because I have a lot of guests booked. Um, but, you know, Peter was talking about the Southern Poverty Law Center. Okay. The Southern Poverty Law Center actually started out as a group that actually really did look at real hate, like, you know, uh, like black people being lynched and killed. You know, that's real hate. Okay. I mean, we're talking real discrimination, not fake made up discrimination like the LGBT lobby has done. Okay. But here's the thing. They label like the Family Research Council, Concerned Women for America, Focus on the Family, Americans for Truth about Homosexuality, the American Family Association, um, you know, Eagle Forum. They label all these groups as hate groups. All right. Just saying. They label all these people as, as hate groups. And yet the FBI of our country, America, the FBI does not take one word seriously on the research of the Southern Poverty Law Center. They consider the Southern Southern Poverty Law Center uh, inconsequential. They don't they don't trust them at all. Our FBI doesn't. And yet the stupid media, the liberal media, will quote the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a real hate group, by the way, as being valid. So that's what Peter was talking about. And it's like completely insane, completely. And yet, you know, it is what it is. Okay. I'll, uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's, it's much like what happens in uh, academia, academic yeah. circles today. You know, they'll have uh, someone will write whatever it is their opinion is, and then they'll footnote it. They'll footnote it well. They'll footnote other works. You go to those other works, and those works footnote the works that cite them, and there's this <laughs> sort of incestuous citing of each other to uh, give credence to, you know, their, their points of view. Oh, because they're quoting this work and this work, and then they're just all buddy buddy quoting each other, and and somehow that validates it, gives it uh, cred. And the same way that the media quotes the Southern Poverty Law Center as this, you know, the certified hate groups because they're on the same, you know. On the same bandwagon. But, so. See, that's the thing. People in the church, they, they swallow and they drink the poison from the liberal media as if it's actual valid. And they don't know. They don't yeah. know any better. And it's so... Circular reason and support. Indeed. It's so sad. You know, um, two of the books that Peter mentioned was uh, the, the Sexual Behavior in the Human Male by Alfred Charles Kinsey. Uh, you can actually still get it at Amazon. It was published in 1948. 
Um, there's 29 customer reviews and most of the reviews are, are funny to read because they're, they expose Kinsey for the pedophile homosexual far, fraud he was. Um, and yet that's the basis of the LGBT movement. So come on, Stacy speak, can't put time on God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you only knew my day, uh, but anyway, so, you know, that's, you can get the book. It's on Amazon. And the other book that he mentions called the gay revolution, the story of struggle, such propaganda. I mean, completely. And I have, uh, th- this other book, it called, it's called After the Ball, and I know some of you have, have seen it. Um, trying to find it. I think it's over there on the floor somewhere. But, I mean, it, it talks about how they marketed homosexuality to the masses in the 1990s. You guys remember Ellen? Ellen's first TV show where she was the first open lesbian to do a kiss on TV in, way back in 1997? Right? Do you think that that was, like, uh, not planned? It was completely planned. Completely. Three's Company, you remember that show? Come and knock on our door. You know, Jack the gay guy, even though he wasn't really gay, he was pretending to be gay. Come on, people. Don't be ignorant or naive and think that what you see on TV isn't planned there for a reason. It's, it's there to convince you to change your mind about what God's standards are. That's the truth. They hate God. Going back to Romans chapter 1, they hate God. And so God gave them over to their depraved mind, and they do all these things that are unnatural and, you know, and all that. And yet people like me and um, Peter and others, you know, like my friend Gordon Klingenschmidt, who's, who uh, is going to be on next Wednesday, um, talking about stuff. You know, we get vilified. We get death threats. We get called all names. We, I mean, seriously, for what? For, say, for saying something that God said. True story. For saying homosexuals and lesbians, bisexuals, transgenders can actually change. God can change them. I'm not denying it's a struggle for some people. I have listeners to this to this show that I know are are that identify still as gay and lesbian and they struggle. I don't condemn them. I just remind them that God loves them and He can He can heal you. It might not be the way you expect. It might be a lot slower than you want, but the truth is, the truth doesn't, your feelings don't change God's truth. And that's what a lot of this is all about. The LGBT movement is really based on emotion. It's all emotive. And it's not just emotion. It's not love. Love isn't the underlying emotion. It's anger. Anger is the underlying emotion of this lobby. It's not love at all. Um, and, uh, and and unfortunately, <laughs> The real love movement, which is the Church of Christ, you know, is is kind of asleep, right? I mean, let's just be honest. It's kind of asleep because ah, we don't want to talk about that. Okay, so if you saw somebody dangling over hell and you knew that you had the freedom to, let's just say, okay, for sake of argument, let's say this is a person that you had the power to push a button and release them into hell or not. Let's say that button, you gave, God gave you the power to do that. Would you drop them into hell or would you save them? The gospel saves people from hell. And that's ultimately the issue, saving people's souls, you know, telling people that Jesus can set you free. 
It's not just words. It's not like being, oh, I'm super religious. Oh, my gosh, Jesus can set me free. Oh, he can set you free. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He can set people free. Oh, you know, but do you believe it? I mean, seriously, do you believe it? If you if you don't believe it, then you're probably not sharing the gospel with anybody, especially those who really need to, need to hear it. Um, but if you do believe it, you're out there kind of yelling from the rooftops, hey, don't worry, don't worry. You know what? You can be set free from this. God can forgive you. God can change your heart. He can change your feelings. But the the truth isn't compromised because of how you feel, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the truth, you know, just so you know. All right. Well, I, I could go on and on, but uh, Randall and I have, have stuff we got to do. <laughs> And we've already gone over 90 minutes. So I think um, I will be back tonight because Randall's going to be at a meeting. But I will be back tonight probably around 730-ish. And we can pick up this conversation then if you'd like. If you, you want to tweet me, you can send me tweets or questions or whatever. Um, and uh, I just want to say thank you to those of you who come in and support the show. You actually listen to what's being said instead of come in and try to mock it. Um, I appreciate it. And I appreciate those of you who donate to Bible News Radio and who support our sponsors. You guys, uh, you will be rewarded. You know, it might not be the way you think, but um, but I appreciate it. So, thank you. I'll see you guys later tonight.